Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Is that the... That's the phrase, right? What? What? Uh, I It was coming... Like our, our tagline, it was coming out of my mouth before I realized what I was saying. And then halfway through, I wondered if I was saying the right thing. It didn't feel right in my mouth. But that was right, right? <laughs> now I don't know. What did you say? It's a cross. It's a cross generational guide to yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. Oh wow. <laughs> it's just one of those things. That, like now it's in like my muscle memory, so it just kind of comes out. Yeah. It, it didn't feel right, but I suppose it's I wasn't been a- really listening to you. I was waiting for my turn. Okay. To talk. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I was also preparing myself to say my own name, which is sometimes a task. So you know. <laughs> Uh, we've hit Who the wall. Knows? <laughs> it appears we've hit the wall. Listen, it's been a long week. <laughs> it's been a long. Yes. It's just been a long. It's been a long. It's, it's March it's again. again. <laughs> Was it ever not March? I it's think it's o- always been March. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We've always been at war with March. <laughs> March is before. March was after. March is now. March is later. March is always. <laughs> I like uh, the the people the the WandaVision people that have been taking the one of the quotes from one of the more recent episodes and saying what is life if not March persevering? <laughs> no, oh, that's oh. a good quote to the original. Yeah, yeah WandaVision's so good. Yeah, I love I WandaVision. The, the internet was arguing whether or not the line was good or not, which was funny to me because it's just like, is this where we're at? We're, we're arguing over whether or not this line is valid. Yeah. I don't know. I, all I ever think of anymore is like, after you brought it up, Taylor, in my head is maybe it's tomorrow. And maybe it's not. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's, it's yesterday. yesterday. I just forgot. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm ever thinking. Of. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, we, we were kind of late getting started today and I hadn't heard from you all about a, a half an hour into when you usually record. I was like, I think it's it might be Wednesday. It's a hundred percent not sure if it's Wednesday or not, and I I don't know. Well, and like right now, so okay, in West Virginia, we had an ice storm, mm-hmm. and it knocked out all the power for a very long time. And then what happens to ice when it gets hot is it melts. <laughs> And then when you have a big rainstorm uh-huh. on top of the melting ice, then it floods. <laughs> so West Virginia is flooded. Now, we are not because West Virginia is also very, uh, I don't want to say mountainous. I know we're the mountain state, but we're we don't really. Flat. No, we're very hilly. Yeah. Most of a, Hill- most of our mountains aren't mountains. They're just big hills. Yeah. Hillacious. I think there's. hellacious uh and we are we are on a hill part so we have not personally been affected by the flooding but our area has a lot of people around us have so schools have been flooded flooded like literally (laughs) Literally flooded a lot of schools have been flooded my my child is virtual anyway but because this is so weird child is virtual my child is virtual Uh, i'm a virtual child wow like a tamagotchi <laughs> but we got a gigabit. As a result, <laughs> my my Tamagotchi uh, has been on a two hour delay, mm. which is so silly because the school's flooded. So like, what what is the de- the delay's not going to get rid of the water? I don't. I'm not sure what's happened. Like the whole school. So it's code orange, which means. <laughs> <laughs> Which I always think is Sp- SpongeBob the musical, and they go, <laughs> the threat level is code orange. And they do a little thing. Anyway, Sydney, you're the only person that has ever said this is like in SpongeBob the musical. <laughs> I love SpongeBob the musical. It's brilliant. It's great. Uh, anyway, <laughs> code orange means all students are remote learning. Remote learning is different than virtual learning. Yes. We have not done remote learning, but that's what all the other students who are in person now, because West Virginia went back five days a week, except we never did because then the flooding happened. So it never actually happened. Right. But in theory, we're back five days a week. But they're all remote who are going to go to school. My kid is still virtual. My So my Tamagotchi just does virtual school, except on a two hour delay, which means we just start late every day. I don't know. It has been so... I never know what's happening. Charlie looks at me every day and is like, is 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 school happening now? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's just keep doing math. That's how I feel every <laughs> we'll just, day. We'll just keep working through this math book, yeah. I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I, I, uh, I 
sliced my eyeball with a cosplay contact uh, Sunday, I guess. And like, so I had two days of just all the lights off and like not being able to see or do anything. And time was meaningless. And it, I guess I was well prepared for that because (laughs) I was like, I don't know what day it is. It's, there is the, the time when I will see, see again and the time when I could see. And then there is the now time that is dark. And that is the only time I know. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what this year has been. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the time when I could go outside, the time when I will eventually be able to go outside in now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, if it's just, it's just, who knows? I, uh, <laughs> I tried to drive on one of our main um, roads the other day through, mm-hmm. through the middle of Huntington. And it was closed on both ends because one end was flooded so badly there were i mean like feet of water many feet of water oh yeah the flooding is like it's it's not like they closed our flood walls yeah they never close they they put up like the big stone gate to close the flood wall which i have not seen ever Mm -hmm. i've never seen. i think it's happened in my lifetime but i don't remember yeah i mean there it it buried cars um but the other end was shut down because the uh subaru dealership there were like six cars that were on fire. So one yeah. end there were cars on fire, and the other end there was flooding. <laughs> I just I thought, okay, never mind. I'm gonna turn around and go home. Where? This is a that sign I a, should go back home. That was a wild story. That was a there was a car that caught on fire on the interstate. So they pulled off the interstate and drove to a car dealership and pulled into the lot, and then their car caught a bunch of other cars on fire. No one was hurt. They were no empty. one was hurt. They were empty yes. new cars. The cars but- were damaged. The people were fine. <laughs> so we- it's. Uh, I mean, I guess that's a happy. Er, ending. But has anybody checked to see if the moon has turned to blood or the the <laughs> oceans are on fire? Yeah. Are, are, well, are there locusts? Are yes, there any locusts yes. listening to this podcast? Are you? Yes. Are you here? Is this end times? I. It's cool. Like I just want to know the big but the seventeen locusts, year yeah. locusts that are super super loud and cover oh, wait, every surface no, no, are coming <laughs> back to West Virginia this year. Yes, this is a locust year. Wait, wait, y'all. yeah. Somebody yeah. call Demi Moore. These seals are breaking. <laughs> I I like that for once West Virginia was in the news for something positive. You know, we were doing really well and we are with our vaccination rates mm-hmm. and like how we're vaccinating people. Um, but in return, the universe was like, Mm-mm, you know what? Here's an ice storm. Mm-hmm. Here's a flooding. Here's some random fires. And here's locusts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's still, I mean, a ton of people with no power. Oh, and yeah. And people no with, um, yeah, no internet and no, uh, no clean water. Mm-hmm. Either still. on a boil water advisory or like pipes burst, no water. I mean, yeah. like. Two weeks later. Yeah. It's a, it's a mess, y'all. There's a lot going on over uh, here. Yeah. I hope, I hope everybody's staying as safe as they can. That's, that's a nightmare. Um, yeah, I know this, you know, they came up, came out with that remake of The Stand. Mm-hmm. Not too long ago, oh. and like, I, did you know that? I knew that they were making that. Did that happen? It's out. Wow, you can watch it. It happened. <laughs> it happened. But it and I loved the stand. I've read the book multiple times. I loved the old miniseries. Um, so you'd think I would be all over that, and I just can't bring myself <laughs> right sense. now. It's just like too. It cuts too close to the bone right now. Yeah. <laughs> Not ready I, for I that. Believe that. <laughs> I, I was going to say Stephen King couldn't have written this, but maybe he has. Maybe he is. <laughs> this is where we are. Here we are. I would like to mention and point out also two weeks in a row, Stephen King's work has found its way yeah, into our podcast. We in? No, we'd have to be in Maine. That's true. <laughs> we'd have to be somewhere in New England. It's and true. Maybe well, it, it was are. always March and it was old Maine. <laughs> 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 Who decides yeah. where Maine ends? March hey. never ends. <laughs> hey, wait, ha, hey, w- wake me up when pandemic ends. Oh, there's the oh. transition. Um, hey, did you like that? Yes. I mean, maybe it'll be when September ends. Maybe. Uh, <sighs> maybe. Okay. <laughs> not, not to be a downer, but for anybody that makes those meme jokes about wake me up when September ends, uh, that song is about Billy Joe Armstrong's father passing, so... It's a serious mm-hmm. song for him. Um, oh, sad. Well, yeah. I did not mean to make a joke about That's that. That's okay. I, but uh, yeah, we're talking about Green Day. That was the topic. <laughs> there was the end times, and now let's talk about Green Day. <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That makes sense. Hmm. I think that fits. Yeah. Uh, so 
Taylor, do you want to, I, what, why, let me start with, I think it might seem kind of obvious. Green Day is like a, for a lot of us of our age group, Green Day was a huge deal and continues to be very relevant to this, to this day. But like, it seems obvious, but why, why have you chosen Green Day? Well, uh, I mean, Green Day was, it's, it's definitely one of my favorite bands, um, it was a band that I, I kind of have a funny history with Green Day in that I, I've always loved their music since I was like in high school. But like I never felt like I was allowed to love their music until it was too lame to love their music, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. In mm-hmm. high school, they were still cool. Like I was in high school in 2000, 2004. This is before the Broadway era, before American <laughs> Idiot or 21st Century Breakdown, which I love. I love all of that. Yeah, uh, but like in high school, they were definitely the punk kids that I don't know. Like to me, there was no difference between the punk kids that could afford to shop at Hot Topic and like the popular kids that could afford to shop at like Abercrombie and Fitch. They were the they were two sides of the same coin, and they were all mm-hmm. kind of mean and judgmental. And I, even though I liked punk music at the time, I never felt comfortable like even wearing a band T shirt because it would have been in, invited being mocked or made fun of mm-hmm. uh i remember uh, go ahead i was just gonna say it's interesting that i i don't think i don't feel like i remember thinking about green day as punk music i mean it's it's funny because i mean it's it's pop punk i i think that's yeah. fair uh mm. it, it definitely was one of those bands that reawakened an interest in punk music and kind of defined what punk would be for the 90s um mm-hmm. i mean it's a seminal it's a seminal punk band and it's funny that it doesn't get considered punk because if you look at green day up against what people hold up is like this is punk rock like the ramones or the sex pistols or the clash they're doing the same stuff mm-hmm. they are absolutely yeah. doing the same stuff and arguably they're doing it a little harder and like definitely more cohesively but i don't know like if it's not if it's not discordant and angry, then it's like, oh, it's not punk. They were just good at mm-hmm. it. They were good at what all those other bands were already doing. Um, but I remember, like, in high school, uh, Mom got me a Green Day shirt. Uh, it was on sale from Hot Topic, and it was in my Easter basket. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And Mom did that. That's so Mom, by the way. Mom. Everything about that is that's a very on-brand story for Mom. And it was like an XL, but you know, like that it was a Green Day shirt. And I can tell you exactly which one it is because it's on sale. I looked it up. Now it is considered a vintage t-shirt and you pay like $70. It's a red Green Day shirt with a dragon on it. And she got me this shirt because mom was pretty good at like being aware of what I was into, but not really pushing me about it. She would just like buy me something and be like, look, this is a thing you like, right? She, She also got me like a Rob Zombie CD collection, like just kind of took a took a stab at that and i was into it but never would have said Mm -hmm. that um but this shirt hung in my closet through my entire high school career and i never once wore it i wanted to i loved the band but i was so terrified of being made fun of by the real punks you know that was such the era of you Mm -hmm. don't want to be a poser you don't want to be you know a, 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 a fake punk that i would never wear it it just hung there like a beacon so it really wasn't that's so true go ahead no that's but we that's such a good point that you make and i think we've referenced it before but like i feel like with your generation riley i've seen so many people wearing like band t-shirts that like i know there's no way you're into like you are not a huge metallica fan (laughs) i know you're not right like i know you you you've heard like one song from van halen and it was on a commercial i know you don't know who van halen is and i'm not saying like I do or I'm super cool. I I wasn't that wasn't me either. That was, you know, prior to us too. But like that is not stigmatized at all the way that in no. our generation Taylor you are so right. Like if you were going to wear a Green Day t-shirt, you can't just like Green Day. You better be all about Green Day. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it was like the kind of vibe I get, which I never really experienced because again, I I think we've reached a point in clothing where you can go into like an Urban Outfitters or Forever 21 or whatever, and there's a whole section of just quote unquote vintage band tees, like just all those <laughs> bands. But the point isn't really because you like the band, it's because it's a cute shirt. Yeah. Um, so like I don't own very many of them, but lots of people I know do. I, it's a very cute look. I like it because usually they are just very cute shirts. I'm thankful we've reached a point where we can just wear them because they're cute shirts. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I get the vibe that it used to be like, I better know like five songs at least by this band that I'm wearing oh. their shirt so I can name them. Five and know them. albums. Yeah. Five albums. You better be ready to answer like a quiz. But it's, yeah. it's funny because in retrospect, the thing is like... You know, it wasn't until probably college and even after college that that's like Green Day came out with like all of their American Idiot and everything. And then they weren't cool anymore. Right. Then they were like in my perception, they weren't cool anymore. So then I could like them. I could love them. They were mine now because they were lame. But in their own career, that had already happened. Like when Green Day signed to a major label with Dookie, like their whole like, you know, they were um, like East Bay, like California like indie punk rock darlings and when they signed to a major label their whole fan base like a huge part of it turned their back on them mm. they were sellouts that was you know selling out was like the ultimate sin in those days and they were kind of rejected and a lot of their music harkens to that sense of rejection like you have songs like 86 that are entirely about just not being welcome in your scene and i feel like that's a big reason that i love their music because it had that i mean it wasn't music for well-adjusted, cool people. It was music Mm-mm. for people that were, it, a lot of their songs are about mental illness. You know, you have like the Panic Song and like Basket Case. A lot of their songs were about just kind of being a, just a disgusting waste of a person and trying to like just embrace that. You have like Longview and like Geek Stink Breath. Like their their songs were about being like a troubled disgruntled kind of rejected person and I latched onto that I got that and in a way it was like no this this music isn't for you cool well-adjusted punks that have money to look <laughs> punk this music is for me it's about gross weirdos <laughs> see I also liked it because I felt like I think I think that in my mind kind of what you said Tay punk music was not inherently listenable <laughs> Like it was something that it like it was it was connected to a very specific sort of emotion and and like experience you wanted and you could experience that. But Mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily something you're just like, oh, I think I'll turn on some punk music now and just sort of chill in my room. Like that was not how I thought about it. And Green Day is so listenable. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's so you can turn it on. And I think. I, I don't think it's music that like, I mean, you could have on in well, like various ages at like a get together and have it on in the background and it's pretty pleasant still. I mean, I know that sounds like I'm, I'm giving it a hard time because mm-hmm. that's like a mean thing to say about punk music, but like it is so listenable. But I think that's what was special that it's what continues to be special about Green Day is that when you have an earnest desire to connect with people with your art that comes through in a way of making it something that people can connect with you know that that just like discordant like whatever we're punk we don't care if you get it like i get that there's lots of music like that and i i enjoy some of it but the thing that i like Mm -hmm. about green day is there is an earnest desire to communicate ideas and connect with people and that is via their like impeccable ability to make catchy hooks and like iconic lyrics and that that requires a bit of like, like opening yourself up. That's kind of a vulnerability. You know, when you hide behind that wall of sound, yeah, you can be, you know, punk as heck. But when you actually reveal yourself, that's vulnerability. And I think a lot of people recoiled against that. I think people continue to recoil against that in music. And that Mm -hmm. was the thing that Mm -hmm. drew me in. It was that, that very honest presentation of, of, of like, just struggling with anxiety and being weird and being an outcast. And I'm not even going to try to hide it between, but I'm too cool to care. Like I'm not too cool to care. I care. I'm obsessed. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and vocal talent, I would say Mm -hmm. like, you know, a a voice that you want to listen to that is, that is pleasant and love. And I, I feel like it really, cause I went to in my youth, (laughs) um, I went to many shows that were called punk shows (laughs) Um, and by that, I mean local punk shows. Right. I don't mean like big name anything. Mm-hmm. I went to a lot of local punk shows. And uh, the word punk can be used to excuse all manner of sins in a, in a concert. Um, and uh, and sometimes like I got what they were going for. Like, OK, I am here in this crowded YWCA. Um, at this point, we were all wearing uh, skinny jeans. The sin of skinny jeans had been committed. Oh, and, man, not yeah, skinny jeans. Tight jeans, little T-shirts, and Chuck Taylors. <laughs> um, <laughs> everybody. And side parts. 
Every, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, lo- lots of ironic T-shirts, skinny jeans and chucks. That was the whole room. Um, and everybody was like feeling the music, even if the music was like, man, I don't even think they're all playing the same song right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is happening on this YWCA stage? Yeah. I don't know. But we're feeling it so hard. Yeah. And so, like, I get that. Like, I get that experience. Um, but Green Day was always this other thing that, like, I could then take home with me and enjoy all the times and not just in those angry YWCA times. <laughs> <laughs> always the YWCA. Right. Never the YMCA. No. No. <laughs> you could afford the YWCA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really could. It was pretty cheap to rent. <laughs> but that... But that's that was the that's still the magic of what they do. I mean, I think that you know that, and maybe it's because they went through that initial kind of being shunned from their cool, like punker than thou punk rock roots. I do think it's a band that kind of just said, "Well, that's that. Whatever we're gonna do." And I mean, Billy Joe Armstrong has made statements similar to that, where he's kind of said, "Like whether we." fly or, or whether we fail like we're kind of on our own now we're doing our own thing and mm-hmm. i i i don't know you got to kind of respect that versus a band that re- regurgitates what they think sells or sticks to this kind of idea that like their success comes from obscurity like yeah. they were on an artistic journey and i mean you for anything else you can say about green day they definitely continued to do whatever the heck they wanted to do <laughs> with their music mm-hmm. i i want to talk about Riley, your experience with Green, because Riley comes from this uh, from a very different perspective where yes. where she <laughs> learned to love and appreciate Green Day. But before we do that, let's check the group message. <laughs> um, so we've all we've all got goals, you know, it's, it, whether it's you got to study, work, I don't know, goals in your home life get organized maybe i don't know we've care all got for, goals care for my tamagotchi care for your tamagotchi <laughs> sure of course your virtual child um but have you thought about your hair goals because mm. they are just as important um and that is why i use function of beauty to fulfill my hair goals of getting my hair healthier um shinier more voluminous perhaps they are the world leader in customizable beauty, offering precise formulations for your hair's specific needs. And honestly, it's really fun to figure out what you're going to get from uh, Function of Beauty because all you have to do is take a quick quiz that tells them about your hair type and those hair goals. Um, maybe you want to lengthen your hair, oil control, um, dryness, and you answer all these questions about what scents you like, about what you want out of your shampoo and your conditioner. And then they determine the perfect blend of ingredients. They bottle your formula and deliver it right to you. So, Taylor, if our listeners want to check out Function of Beauty, what should they do? Never buy off the shelf just be just to be disappointed ever again. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash buffering to take your quiz and save 20% on your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash buffering to let them know we sent you and get 20% off your order. Once again, that's functionofbeauty.com slash buffering. So I found, I don't know if you all have experienced this, but when you go out into the world with like your big kid job, like when you're supposed to like dress up and pretend to be professional. Sure. Like you start developing this kind of wardrobe that you have to wear to that. And uh, you don't necessarily feel comfortable in all of it. And so sometimes you're looking in the closet and you're like, "Ah, today I'm not going to have a comfortable pants day because I got to wear those dress pants that somehow I got. I don't know where I got them and I don't Mm -hmm. like them, but they're the things I wear to work. So I have to. You don't have to choose anymore. You can look professional and still feel comfortable with beta brand dress pant yoga pants. Uh, I can vouch for them because I've been wearing them for a long time. Um, I got so tired of trying to like find those. I feel like they were all these scratchy work pants that I didn't want to wear, but they look nice. And so you want to look nice. Beta brand pants are super comfortable. They feel like yoga pants, but they're not yoga pants. They are dress pants um, and they look like dress pants. Nobody Mm -hmm. will know your secret, which is that you are so comfortable. They would be jealous. You know, you should let them in on your secret. Actually, tell everybody about your beta brand dress pant (laughs) yoga pants. Um, maybe it'll be a better work environment, right? Because everybody will be as comfortable as you are. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think everybody if we were all wearing... Happier and comfier. Yeah, more comfortable pants, we'd all be happier. 
They're made of wrinkle-resistant stretch-knit fabric. They're perfect for long work days and to wear out after work or back home at the end of the day, whatever. You look great in your beta brand dress pant yoga pants, and you feel comfortable. So don't keep that a secret. Tell everybody about it. And Taylor, what should they tell everybody about it? Well, right now, our listeners can get 25% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash buffering. That's 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com slash buffering. Find out why people are ditching typical work pants for Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants. Go to betabrand.com slash buffering for that 25% off. Now, Taylor, you mentioned how Green Day has continued to do their own thing. Um, and it, no matter whether people liked it or not, which I think it's funny because when I think about like that phrase, I think about how at the end of uh, Dookie, right, there was the secret song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, if it, it was back in the day when you had to let the CD play. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the secret song would come on. And uh, the secret song is, well, I don't, can I say what it's about? I Am mean, I allowed I, to say I it? think so, right? Yeah. It's about masturbation. <gasps> yeah. But, but I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, I remember it being explained to me by our neighbor. The yes. young man that lived across the street from us who who played the secret oh. song for us and then said, do you know what this song is about? <laughs> yes. I, I have that vivid memory and then going, oh, what? <laughs> that was a, that was a, a, and that was when Dookie came out. Dookie came out in like 94, I think. Uh-huh. So we, I was what? Like, I was eight? I mean, <laughs> I would have been nine. No. No, 11. Yeah, okay. So so very young when, when having that explained to you. <laughs> I had to think about it. By your neighbor. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that was what they wanted to do back then. Now, what did you, what was your introduction to Green Day, um, Riley? I, I want to preface this by saying this is not the only experience I've had with Green Day before this recording experience, but this was my first experience with Green Day. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just want to make that clear. Okay. Um, when uh, the album American Idiot became a jukebox musical, <laughs> it became a stage musical, and it went on tour, and I cannot tell you why, but for some reason it did come to Huntington, West Virginia on its national <laughs> tour after Broadway. Um, and uh, we went and saw it, and that was my first experience with their music, because it is their music mm-hmm. exactly, just into like a, you know, it's mm-hmm. like Mamma Mia with abba like it's a jukebox it's just musical. like mama mia with well, abba. i mean like they didn't change the music is all i know i, mean. I know like, i know what you their mean their music just they put a story uh in in the middle of sure, all of it sure but after that was when i went home and started listening to the rest of their music and downloaded american idiot um i mean this was probably eight or nine years ago mm-hmm. a, a very long very long time ago yeah that the, the, their musical was out there um so that was my first experience was with the album american idiot which i have listened to a lot mm-hmm. and then dookie and other albums um it yeah it's a it's so funny because it's one of those things where like i remember when that first happened i remember having that this is like, I hope that this is a generational thing. I hope this is a 90s knee-jerk reflex where you hear something like that, like Green Day has a musical, and you go, oh, like, yeah, is this what happens? All the things I love, they grow up and they get, you know, old and mm-hmm. uncool. And, like, you have that, and I think it's a very 90s thing. Yeah. And then, like, I got older and I was like, well, that's not true because, mm-hmm. like, musical theater is cool. Is that okay to say? Yeah. Musical theater is cool. Musical theater is cool. And like something that is, it is that people enjoy doing and making and watching and whatever is cool mm-hmm. inherently because somebody enjoyed making it. Somebody enjoyed performing it. Somebody enjoyed watching it. That's all cool. People enjoyed it. Like what's wrong right. with any of that? Um, but uh, I, I remember having that immediate like, this is what happens when you get older. <laughs> <laughs> The things you love get so commercial and become musicals. <laughs> um, that's a that's a like oh no your faves eventually become jukebox musicals. That's a yeah that's an okay problem to have. 
Yeah. I mean, it happened to Alanis too. That's true. That's true. And Jagged Little Pill rocks. Um, the musical and the album. Jagged Little Pill rocks. It does. The musical. the musical and the album. I listened to the album before the musical ever existed, but the musical's great too. But I think it 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 shows the power of when you let go of trying to be cool and you just do the stuff that you respond to. I think that's what that. That's the lesson that I take away from that, you know, because I think that Green Day yeah. was a band that had to break from that, that disapproval that they got, that, you know, the scene that brought them up that loved them, the scorn from that. I think that there was a very distinct reaction where they were like, we're just going to we're going to do our stuff. We're going to mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. And I mean, t- to this day, like their newest albums are still kind of experimental. And even if it's not my thing necessarily, I like that, you know, if you follow your own artistic path you might not always hit the zeitgeist of what's going on. You might hit it and then you might stray from it, but like you're on your own kind of journey there. So who cares Mm -hmm. when you, when you're through being cool, the whole world kind of opens up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I was wondering as I was re-listening to American Idiot, because I hadn't listened to it in a while, but one of my favorite things about that album is that they have songs that are two songs Mm -hmm. that are one song. Mm -hmm. Like, um, Give me Novocaine slash She's a Rebel is like two songs, but it doesn't stop. It's both of the songs and one goes into the other. Was that like a thing that other bands did? Was that a very Green Day thing? Because I think that's really cool. Um, but it yeah. also, I mean, I think lent itself very well to something like a musical because it just like one song transitioned into another. But I know that's not what it was written for. I don't think that was a... I, I feel like that's an older thing than... Um, than like our era like songs that were two songs and kind mm-hmm. of transitioned into one another were more of like um experimental kind of rock mm-hmm. psychedelic stuff that happened before our era mm-hmm. i mean i don't taylor you can correct me if i'm wrong but i don't feel like that was a common thing no no and definitely not in the punk world <laughs> like no yeah you know the idea of a concept album of an album that's telling a story, like a theatrical story, which is even even before the musical, like it is. If you listen to American Idiot, it's a it's telling a story, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and twenty first century breakdown too. Like, and then you get Uno Dos Trace. It's the continuation of this idea that you know we're we're making stories with our albums. Uh, that's I feel like it's not necessarily unique to Green Day, but they were definitely unique in the punk scene doing that. Yeah. No, I feel like I feel like that the music, especially as you get into like the later 90s and early 2000s, the music that was kind of all around us was the easily digestible, you know, three minute, an album of a bunch of three minute long songs that could many of them could be singles Mm -hmm. were all entities unto themselves. Yeah. Incredibly catchy, hooky, you know, pop, pop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was and even like that's where punk music alternative music mm-hmm. rock all these things became this other thing you sort of like in trolls 2 world tour what? you know how they talk what? about how the pop trolls what appropriated the music from all the other types of music Sydney, and I didn't think we homogenized it into pop music and that because they stole everybody's music and didn't credit them that's what destroyed the trolls like unity I didn't think we had completely lost you, but now in this podcast episode so far, yeah. you've referenced both SpongeBob the Musical and Trolls 2 World Tour. Those have been your two <laughs> cultural touch points throughout Trolls, this episode. Trolls World, World Tour is a very important lesson. Oh, okay. And, well, okay. <laughs> and like what true diversity means and the dangers of like what Poppy keeps saying is we're all the same and like we're not all the same and that's good. What were we talking about? <laughs> About Green, Green Day. Day. And now I would like to keep a running timer of all the times you've mentioned Trolls World Tour in our podcast. Are you are you, are you paid by them? <laughs> My husband. I mean Justin's is. in it. Um, or he well, was. But but you know, I think yeah. the I mean the the that it's what they're okay. That cohesiveness of like here are our our album of you know, segmented three minute pop or pop punk hits like that idea, which runs through a lot of, you know, digestible pop punk music. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are plenty no. of bands that do that endlessly. And I love them. But yes, what I like, what I love about Green Day is their total commitment to doing whatever they kind of feel like doing. And I think mm-hmm. to me, it reminds me a lot more of uh, of 
one of my other favorite favorite bands, which is The Replacements. And The Replacements, they're, you know, you look at their catalog and they kind of have no fear in going off. Like if they're going to do a weird, like kind of strummy singer songwriter thing, or they're going to do a weird, like kind of country feel like they do that. You know, The Clash does that too. And I feel like Green Mm -hmm. Day kind of continues in that tradition. And those are both bands that I, I think like, you know, Billy Joe Armstrong is cited as, as, as influential to him. And I think that's, that's just, that's more punk rock to me than endless power chord progression, like hard hitting punk rock songs is being like, what if we just do a weird little minute of country here? Because we feel like it. And I think some of my favorite songs by Green Day are those sort of weird, like, like Misery, which is like this weird sort of like country ballad or like the slower songs like Macy's Day Parade, which is just Mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. lovely, slow, sad song. And it's one of my top five favorite Green Day songs. And it's not, I don't know if you'd call it punk, but it's beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, um, Jesus of Suburbia on American Idiot is another one that's like, what, a nine and a half yeah. minute song? <laughs> yeah. And I, it's basically multiple songs in one. Like it, it switches is. a few times mm-hmm. its tone and it's the instruments that are being highlighted and the feel and the rhythm. Like it changes multiple times, but it is one song and it's wild to listen to because like i was listening to it while i was working out and i just kept thinking like did that song just change i didn't think that that one had ended and then no oh this is all that's right this is all one song <laughs> well, it's been compared to like bohemian rhapsody which I, you yeah. know that's like bohemian rhapsody is amazing but I, I get the comparison in that it's several songs in one and then it's mm-hmm. got the interlude that's literally it's motley Cruz on with the show but it's kind of being paralleled with green day like it's such an amazing mm-hmm. composition that like yeah you know, and I mean that they made a music video for that. <laughs> they made a nine-minute music video for Jesus oh of gosh. Suburbia. I gotta watch that. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that either. Yeah. But that's I think that that like that speaks to several different things. Like one, it's artistry mm-hmm. because you're drawing on like at that point it, when you're talking about something in terms of movements, you're drawing on like classical music to create pop punk music, which is like what you should be doing is looking at everything for influences and like the good stuff, taking good things from everything. You know, that's, that's a good way to continue um, being fresh and relevant Mm -hmm. and uh, making something that's interesting and unique. Um, But it's also, again, I just think it's, it's so nice to, in today's world, I don't think it's weird to talk about how, like, if, if this is your thing and you enjoy it, then it's cool and you don't have to justify it any more than that. And as somebody who grew up in the 90s, that's such a refreshing change um, mm-hmm. because it also frees us from like who gets to decide what's cool. Right. Um, and the same people were deciding what was cool over and over and over again back then. And like, you know, if you if you didn't fit into that mold, maybe it didn't fit you. It's funny to see how many older album reviews of like now, you know, the pretentious like music opinion holders are like, oh, everything after Warning was garbage. But then like when Warning came out, there were a whole bunch of people that said, no, it's garbage. It's not punk enough. You know, when Nimrod came out, there were people that were detracting from it. Like every album they came out with pretty much after Dookie and even Insomniac, like got hit with these people that were like, this is no longer punk or this is not punk enough. And it's like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, that's always going to be the case, but like, it's, I think it's better to just keep going with what you're doing versus, I mean, not to, I love Weezer, but let's be real. Weezer trying to regurgitate the blue album was kind of where they, where they went off track. Right. Like, yeah. Pinkerton was weird and different, but retrospectively it was gorgeous and artistic. But when they came up with the green album, we're like, this is what we're good at. Right. We're just going to do this again. It, nobody liked it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean. I mean. That's true. Well, I like. Well, I. I but yes. Yeah, I. To you know. your point is. Yeah. Your point is well founded. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I wonder how much of this is like. I've talked about before. Like you got to this point where all of a sudden all of culture you could access again, and like we used to have all those shows, the all the shows about like throwback to the eighties and the nineties, and where they would just teach you about like you'd have a whole MTV episode about the culture of the nineties for some reason, Mm -hmm. you know? And I remember thinking like, how much of this stuff do I remember? And how much of this stuff have I seen TV shows about? So I think I remember it, but I didn't really experience it. And I feel like we're at a point where, especially with your generation, Riley, 
you guys are rediscovering everything from all times Mm -hmm. and pulling the stuff that you like back into relevance. Yeah. Um, and it's right there at your fingertips constantly. You, we don't you, we don't get to curate what you find. Mm-hmm. You just find yeah. it. Um, and it really gives the opportunity for a lot of stuff to be, quote unquote, cool. Yeah. And I think that's why you get so many reboots or bands coming back together and making new albums or whatever. It's because people have rediscovered things online that they love and then start talking about it again. And it mm-hmm. starts getting popular again. So they redo it. Um I you know I even Green Day or, or Blink One Eighty Two are bands mm-hmm. that like people on TikTok talk about like people younger than me mm-hmm. thirteen fourteen year old actual Gen Z TikTokers um, as like these old bands like have you heard of this band before this old band called Blink One Eighty Two and even oh, I am like okay come on guys come on but it's oh, true. I guess they, this is growing up yeah they bring stuff back into extreme popularity that has i mean has stayed relevant and his people have kept listening to it or watching it or whatever mm-hmm. but brought it back into the mainstream like sea shanties it like sea shanties yes <laughs> like the jonas brothers the jonas brothers got back together because everyone was like what what happened to those joe bros man mm-hmm. now they're back together well the one got to host saturday night live yeah so. <laughs> which are, is that relevant <laughs> yeah what does your generation think of that (laughs) it's a good question (laughs) uh i but yeah i think i think that's kind of cool though i don't know about the whole middle part thing but otherwise i love i love the middle part well you know i don't like i ultimately believe that art is subjective and so Mm -hmm. whether i like something or don't like something doesn't mean anything about its quality but i think it, it would be hard to argue that a band like green day doesn't produce, doesn't have the intrinsic ability to produce quality hooks, catchy lyrics. Like, you just, you can't look at how massively successful they've been and not say, okay, there's quality there. Like, mm-hmm. there is something that is eternally good about what they did. Like, yeah. And I think that's, yeah. given, yeah, given that ability to have access to all media, I think there's a reason. Like, they're still producing albums. And mm-hmm. whether or not you like the direction they're going in now, like, I, I loved Revolution Radio. You know, I, they got a new album out that it's a little bit it's a little bit more, like, produced. It's a little bit dancier. And it's not my thing, but I love that they're still out there. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How many bands in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are still producing albums and still experimenting with their sound? Mm-hmm. Like, that's... That's uh, that's staying power. That's ingenuity. And yeah, mm. well, and it's not it's not giving the excuse of like um, I uh, that I was of a time that was my generation. Time has moved on, so I'm done now. Mm-hmm. It's like I'll just make the next thing. Yeah. Well, and I think some of it comes from the fact that maybe if you look at like what they're what they're singing about from the very beginning, like specifically, I mean, Billy Joe Armstrong is the main lyricist. The others have written plenty of songs or, or, or done compositions for them. Uh, Mike Durnt and Trey Cool. Uh, <laughs> fun fun fact, Mike Durnt, it's a stage name, but Durnt comes from, he was one of those kids that would just walk around playing the air bass and making a sound like Durnt, 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 Durnt. And that's... Oh my gosh. That's where he gets That's amazing. Name. I love that. <laughs> like, right? like, that's not a cool origin story, but we know that kid. We, we all grew up with that kid. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah. But like, you know... They weren't singing about being losers that didn't get the girl they wanted. They were singing about stuff that isn't fixed by success or money, right? They're singing about mm-hmm. about mental illness, about uh, about like deep wounds of like insecurity and 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 like mania and anger. And they're singing about it in this way that I think what gets to the core of why I love them is because, you know, I was never one for sad songs. Like, I'm not going to sit, when I'm depressed, I'm not going to sit around listening to Elliot Smith or Bright Eyes and cry. I want to listen to Green Day that's sarcastic and cutting and dark humor. That's how I process my depression. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that's part of what, it doesn't matter how successful they became, those issues still haunted frankly, like Billy Joe Armstrong, like he's struggled with substance abuse his whole career. And that, you know, to the detriment of the band at some points, but like, because they were singing to sort of issues that were deeper than what success could fix. I think that maybe, maybe it's not a positive thing, but that plays into their longevity, why it still connects with people like me, people that related to their music as teenagers are still 
hearing them and they're still being spoken to from them. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I had forgotten. I am glad you brought Green Day up because yeah, me too. Uh, I was sitting and listening to the playlist that you made while while <laughs> I was looking through some stuff. And it was just I had forgotten how much I enjoyed listening to Green Day, like mm-hmm. listening to it when I'm focusing on it, listening to it when it's just on. Um, it's just I mean, I it's hard for me to imagine that somebody wouldn't hear like the majority of Green Day songs and just think like, oh, this is good, solid stuff. Mm-hmm. Like to, whether or not you fall in love with it, like to have on. It's just so it's so good. I had forgotten how good it was. Yeah, I, it, I made so I made Sydney Riley a playlist of like three or four songs from every Green Day album that I thought were kind of essential listening. And it was incredibly difficult because they're the songs that I love. And then there are the songs that are the mega hits that you can't not put on a mix. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it was just choosing between like, you know, like your your children. Like, I don't know. Like, how do I leave one of these songs <laughs> off? They're they're all good. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a really good mix. I don't know. Is there a way to make that? Oh, man, I'm about to show my age. <laughs> I think you can share a Spotify playlist. Yes, you can. OK, yeah. you could just if you make it just a public playlist, then you can share a link like online yeah i was gonna say you should share it because if there's anybody who isn't really familiar with green day and would like to try it out it's like a good yeah condensing of the it's like the princess bride it's the best parts version Mm -hmm. um and then it 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 encourages you to explore further yeah well it's funny because even after i sent that to you all i was listening to revolution radio this morning just you know having it on the background and a song came on that i've definitely heard before but i've never listened to it and it was the song Still Breathing. So 2016, very like very new song in the Green Day catalog. And it it's it was one of those moments, like so many songs in my past that I heard and I was like, oh, this is a song for me. And it's like having that moment literally this morning with a very new song comparatively. It's like from the position of someone who's kind of been through, which so much of the their their catalog is about just so much ugly stuff to live through, mm-hmm. so many bad feelings, and then there's a song that's kind of like, I'm still here, I'm still around, and it was one of those moments where I'm like, oh man, you and me, Green Day, we've gone through this together, <laughs> and we're still here, <laughs> we're still making mistakes, we're still not our best selves, but we're still here, and it's powerful that it, this mm-hmm. this far down the road. I mean, I think everybody maybe has bands they go through their life with, you know, people mm-hmm. that just kind of stay on the same track. And I'm I'm happy to have this as one of mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I th- how I feel about Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, and I'm glad you have T-Swift. <laughs> that's how I feel about Grease, too. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Still. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But that I think what you just said is, you know, I don't make music, but I do... I mean, we all do create things that we hope people enjoy. And like as an artist, that's all you hope for is that when you make something, somebody out there has a moment like that. So, yeah, I think that's success. Yeah. And that that Um, requires earnest desire to connect. And if that translates sometimes to selling out, maybe it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What is selling out? Does your generation even care about that anymore? I don't. I hope no. I'm going to say no. I can't. Anybody that's worked like a minimum wage job that has the opportunity to quote unquote sell out, I can only assume the people that are concerned with selling out have like trust funds. Like that's yeah. Anybody that's going to be like, no, I don't want to be successful. I want to toil in obscurity. Like you, you've got a a bankroll behind you. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you, Taylor. This was this was a really good topic because um. It was really fun to revisit Green Day because it, it, it had been a while. Thank you. So, thank, thank you for you. listening. Riley. Yes. What's next? Uh, well, what I have brought next is significantly less uh, meaningful, um, but it is a show that was important to my youth and apparently my future uh, career choices as, a, as an internet <laughs> creator. Um, and that's iCarly. <laughs> it was recently put on Netflix, so everyone's been talking about it. Um, I, you know, mm-hmm. it was very important to me growing up. And uh, apparently, I, Carly, Carly, becoming the original professional internet comedian, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is why I am where I am. <laughs> all right. I, I've never, I'm familiar with what it is. I've never watched it. You so. don't need to watch all of it. I, it's the kind of show that, like, you watch a few episodes, you get the 
you get the point. All right. They're all kind of the same, but yeah. Well, I will check it out. All right. Where is it? Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we will check it out before next week. All right. <laughs> Find <laughs> out Riley's origin story. It's become relevant again. I just want to talk about it. Uh-huh. Sid, start trying to figure out how you can relate it to Trolls 2 and Grease 2. Yeah, do you already have some ideas for that? No, do I don't. That's workshop on you. that later? Okay, all right. I'll find a way. <laughs> you should really watch Trolls World Tour. It was very good. I've uh-huh. seen it. I watched it when it debuted. Oh, well, see, then you know. Then I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long March, guys. It's, it's March 3rd. <laughs> March 3000s and something. Is it? Is it really no, though? It's like three hundred and sixty-eight or whatever. It's just March now. Just March. <laughs> more March. March. That officially this month is now March. Yes. Um, thank you all for listening. I hope your March is going better than <laughs> West Virginia's yeah. March is going. Um, hey, we're doing the vaccine thing though. Yeah, but, we got that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, thank you to our listeners. Um, you can tweet at us at stillbuff. You can email us at stillbuffering at maximumfun.org if you have things you want to email us about, things you want to put in an email. You should go to maximumfun.org. There are so many podcasts and you would love them and go and listen to them. They're great. Uh, and thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Mind. This has been your cross generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And. I was am, am. <laughs> None of us can get our lines right. March. It's March. It's all because of March. <laughs> Taylor's the one of us that has actually stopped stopped buffering. I Taylor, I, Taylor's I, made it. I, no, I just, no, it's just permanently just. This is as buffered as I get. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> you see. Oh, no. Maximum Fun is a network by and for cool, popular people. But did you know it also has an offering designed to appeal to nerds? A show for nerds? On Maximum Fun? The devil, you say. It's true. It's called The Greatest Generation, and they review episodes of a television program for nerds called Star Trek. They've reviewed TNG, DS9, and are now reviewing Voyager. Hey, Star Trek. My daughter enjoys that program. Well, if she enjoys that, and she enjoys humor of the flatulent variety, might I recommend she subscribe to The Greatest Generation? Hey, are you calling my kid a nerd? Why, I ought to... Well, gotta go. Become a friend of DeSoto by subscribing to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org today. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.